Hello and welcome to the latest Liverpool Blood Red podcast with me, Ian Doyle. Joining me uh, today, as ever, is James Pearce, our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away. Also with us is Christian Walsh and Joseph Rimmer, to give him his full name. So, game on Tuesday, Tottenham, it was the reserve team basically for Liverpool, wasn't it, James? But another win. It was, yeah. I, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it, actually. I think um, it was a gamble by Klopp making so many changes, but... Um, he was vindicated, and I think you know the most positive thing was that you know all season people have looked at that bench and said you know when was the last time Liverpool had that kind of strength and depth, uh, and now he has got options in all departments, and I think that performance proved it. Um, I think to a man they all stood up um, and 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 showed their their qualities, and obviously the front two was certainly the pick. Um, Sturridge took his goals really well, probably should have had a couple more as well. By far and away, Origi's best performance of the season. That you know, there was there were signs there of Origi, who was the Origi who was tormenting Dortmund in the Europa League last season, um, and obviously a, a a great night for the academy as well with um, Trent Alexander-Arnold delivering a really composed and mature debut at right back. Oviyajari, his first start in midfield, um, you know, and Kevin Stewart, another academy graduate who who showed Tottenham what, what, what they were missing because, you know, they were certainly wrong to let him go for nothing. So uh, across the pitch, I thought it was it was a really positive night and it just bodes well for the rest of the season. Joe, there were, as James says, quite a few youngsters out there. The one that everyone was talking about in particular was uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold. I mean, Pochettino was talking about him afterwards saying he should have been sent off. Do you think that was just a bit harsh, just exuberance from the lad? Or just, uh, and were you yeah, impressed with him? Yeah, I was impressed with him, yeah. I thought he clipped himself very well, looked physically ready, uh, quick. Strong. I think it was very harsh. I mean, you look at that tackle. All right, I suppose his studs were showing, but it was only one foot, and he, yeah. he did throw himself a little bit into it. But it was uh, sort of, you know, that that youthful exuberance rather than, than, than any malicious intent. And I think, um, you know, if you, you start punishing them, everyone with a red card, it would be a bit harsh. I think think he played really well, equipped himself well, um, and yeah, impressed physically because I think that's one of the hardest things for a young young player to come in and, and deal with taller physical players and he equipped himself really well. Christian, the, the best right-back debut for Liverpool since Rob Jones, would you say? I'm a little bit too young to remember Rob Jones' you debut. Can, no way. No <laughs> way. Great show. Alright then, well, we'll talk about instead Obi Ajaria because you did a piece you were watching the game uh, on Tuesday, you did a piece looking at what some of the fans were talking about him and some were saying that he's, you know, as good as Paul Pogba. Better than Paul Pogba. Why, better even. <laughs> I mean, is that just, you know... It's, it's, I, it's, just, it's just the internet, isn't it? It's a bounce with a Z. Um, it's, it's, <laughs> it but, but I think there's a bit of in, you know a bit of intent behind that in the sense that, you know, this lad's coming to the team. I'm, I'm absolutely astounded that Ovia Jaria, if you would have said to me a year ago, Ovia Jaria is, is pulling the strings in an EFL Cup tie against Tottenham, um, I, w- I, would have, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, his, his improvements over the past year has just been phenomenal. I remember watching when he was at the, in the under-18s in, in Youth Cup duty, and you know he was very raw. There was obviously a bit of talent there, but you just wondered how he'd ever harness it and, and, and hone that talent. And what he's done under Jurgen Klopp, which started from uh, from pretty much the pre-season at Tramia, and he's just built momentum. He ended up going on the pre-season tour in America, um, and he's just shown a real, a, just a real ability to 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 play such a mature game at the age of eighteen. He's strong. He's physical. He's uh, he's quick. He's he's got really good feet. Um, quite versatile. He can play off the front man. He can play to the side as well. 
and uh, he's just 18 years of age, so he's going to develop even more both with with and without the ball. And as I say, if he if he can extrapolate and if if that that improvements over the next 12 months from what he's done the previous 12 months, the sky does feel the limit for him. He's, he's been probably one of the nicest surprises where we've seen on the Jurgen Klopp so far. I mean, there was a record crowd at Anfield on on Tuesday. It was a, that definitely was the biggest crowd they've ever had for a for League Cup game. So, yeah. Now, there's some suggestion. I know we were talking about this in the office, I think it was yesterday, about the League Cup being better than the FA Cup. <laughs> and I know I can hear Joe sniggering there because you're not such a massive fan of the FA Cup, are you? Right. But you think that the League Cup perhaps has overtaken it in terms of, maybe not prestige, but certainly in terms of interest. Not for everyone. I don't, I don't, don't apply that to everyone. That's just me. I, I don't like the FA Cup. Just, What's the FA Cup done to you? Oh, a lot of things, James. Is this a football not, manager thing? No, did you, did no, you? just, just <laughs> no, no, nothing. It just in recent years, I just think the FA Cup is so cliched now, and you you hear the same things trotted out every year, and you know they mess around with the games. That I don't like the semi-finals at Wembley. That really, really, really irritates me. I'll, I'll, I'll go along with that last. I, one. I like yeah. I like the League Cup games being in the night. I like the way it's quicker. I like the two two leg semi-final, and I just. I just think it flows a bit better than the FA Cup. I'll go along with that. I, I think apart from the, the... You've got the Friday 8 o'clock game now, which is quite good um, on the BBC, which isn't a bad game for the FA Cup. But apart from that, the kickoff times are usually midday on a Sunday. Yeah, yeah, exactly. and it, it just feels so sterile and, and, and just devoid of any real passion or drama. Whereas, yeah, you know, obviously we condemn the, 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 the scenes that we saw at the Chelsea-West Ham we don't want that sort of thing happening, but it is. A, it is. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just that we go, clear go, that go one out. Magic of the league. But you do get that little bit extra bite and that little bit extra, you know, spark in in, in those night games. You know, even Liverpool, Tottenham, I thought the atmosphere uh, came across really well. You know, you're getting games even. Okay, you look at the the, the the stadium, Southampton versus Sunderland, people don't say enough. But Anyone against Sunderland. Any, well, that, that's the problem. We play to see a David Moyes side at the minute. But in general, when these big teams play each other, I mean, you've got a Manchester derby there under the lights. And okay, the teams maybe weren't as strong, well, certainly not the City team was as strong as you would hope for. Um, so it wasn't a true Manchester derby. But, you know, it's, it's just it, under the floodlights, football comes alive a little bit more. It's not as if for the FA Cup, people are playing really strong sides. People still play... Uh, change sides, don't they? So I don't think it really makes a massive difference. Plus, it's out the way come February. Yeah. I mean, people yeah. were saying that you know oh, Liverpool needs to rest players because you know they've got to focus on the league. They've only got potentially another four games now, and one of those will be the final. Mm. So you know, it's 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 not an easy uh, it's not an easy competition to win, but it's also it, it feels like it's a little bit more digestible. The FA Cup where you have replays and yeah. you know yeah. all that sort of thing. James, well. the look, James, the look on your face suggests that either a these two are talking nonsense, or, no, or, no, no, or B, no, you just he, genuinely do not care. No, I, I just think it, it depends on a club's priorities, doesn't it? I think, I think for Liverpool, the League Cup really matters because they haven't got Europe. Um, and you know, although I, you know, I think the other night wasn't Klopp showing disrespect for the competition. I think it was just a sign of how much faith he has got in all those squad players who are, who are knocking on the door and the youngsters who are, who are coming through. I think you know, I watched Pep Guardiola's post-match interview last night and. Um, you know, if he if he cared anything about the League Cup, he did a very good job of hiding it because he was smiling and laughing and saying how well they played when they didn't have a shot on target. And I think for someone like Man City, who are obviously in the Champions League and all the rest of it, I think it doesn't matter. Um, and you know, so many teams feel shadow sides, um, but I think he did it for the simple reason that he doesn't really care. And their game this weekend is much more important. I think Klopp did it for very different reasons. I don't think. 
a lot of those players that were left out necessarily needed a rest. Um, but you know, it, I think it, it just it, it shows just you know the quality Liverpool have got waiting in the wings this season. I think the tough thing will be for him the fact that probably you'd look at that team that faced Tottenham and say probably the only one who's likely who's got any real shout of starting on Saturday at Selhurst Park is Genie Wijnaldum. Because for the rest of them, you know, they, they, the others will come back in because it is just such a settled Liverpool team at the moment. I think if you wanted any or any evidence that City weren't particularly trialling at United, it was the sight of Michael Carrick outpacing Aguero yeah. down the right <laughs> wing towards the end. Um, one person who the game on Tuesday certainly mattered a lot to was uh, our friend Mr Simon Mignolet. Uh, and Joe, I know that we've done this to death, but yeah. we're going to do it again because we have to, because he's made it a talking point, because... Very strangely, he's, he's reacted in a very, very positive way, Mignolet, to, to being dropped because, you know, James spoke to him after the game. He came up with these great quotes about he doesn't want to be a number two, this, that and the other. And he's kind of showing more fight now than perhaps he did when he was actually in the team, which, OK, it's a little bit unfair because this season I think he's done particularly well. You know, I think he should be playing anyway. I mean, what, what do you think? Do you think he's reacted properly and do you oh, think he can still have a future there at the club? His reaction's been brilliant. I think, I think he probably doesn't get enough credit for the way he's reacted. You know, he's got his head down, he's carried on working hard, he hasn't complained. Even those quotes, he's not really, I wouldn't even say he was complaining, he was basically saying, I'm not here to be a number two, I'll keep trying. Yeah. And eventually, if he stays a number two and he ends up moving on, fair play to him. But I think that's the sort of reaction the Klopp will be delighted with. And he'll want other players to follow it. You know, you just work hard and you show that you're still committed. And when you get a chance, you come in and you perform. And he's done that. Uh, I think it's a bit harsh, but... Obviously, Klopp sees a long-term future with Karius, so you can understand why he's chosen with him and why he's stuck with him. Um, it'd be diff- interesting on Saturday, won't it? I mean, it must be hard for him because, I mean, obviously we're not as across other clubs as we are Liverpool, but you see someone like Begovic come, come in at Chelsea. Now, he came in and he knew he was going to be a number two, I think, didn't yeah. he? He knew he was going to be number two, so he's never sort of had to deal with that. Spieler at Arsenal... Um, you know these these type of players who come in and, and you know even I suppose in a way for Evans, the Kellenberg came in as a number two, but he somehow ended up as the number one because he didn't sign another goalkeeper. For for Mignolet, it must be hard to, to to sort of be established as a as, as Liverpool's number one goalkeeper, and then see yourself relegated to a number two, and for your manager to publicly say that. Normally, when that happens, you, that player leaves the same summer. You think of when Mignolet came in. And Reina was there. Now there was not no sort of very very brief crossover. I think during the the tour of America, but Reina eventually ended up in that. Was it Napoli? Did he go to? Mm. Um, so there was none of that. Where it's in, it, you know, it, there's very few occasions where I can think off the top of my head where a number one has, has then sort of been relegated as a number two and has had to, yeah. to sort of grin and bear it. So what we're seeing here is it's quite refreshing in a way that that a, a footballer is. Is taking the challenge head on, um, and I think I think he maybe senses that you know this isn't written in stone, this isn't a, a done deal, um, and if he impresses Klopp's the type of manager who will you know acknowledge that and give him a, another chance. James, do you think perhaps Mignolet perhaps believes the confidence that he's getting is because he believes he's better than Carius? Yeah, partly. Yeah, and I, and I think part of the the anger and the the kind of the strength of the response that's been from him Does is he do also. Anger? Yeah, yeah, I think, I think, I think, I think people have seen a side of Mignolet they probably didn't know existed really the last couple of weeks. The way that he, you know, he, he was kind of accused, you know, at, at times of, of not having you know enough balls and enough character and all the rest of it. But can we say balls? I think we can say that. Yeah, he has because I think I think it does stem from a feeling of injustice as well because, you know, 
a couple of things. One, as Christian said, there's usually a pecking order at a club where a keeper comes in and knows his place. But that isn't, you know, that hasn't happened with Mignolet. You know, he, he was the established number one who's there, who's then has, has lost his place. And I think, secondly, because he's lost his place without really doing anything wrong this season. Like, people will say, well, hang on a minute, what about the other three seasons? And I, and I can understand that point of point of view. You know, he's been at the club a while. Um, and there were always he was always battling to win over doubters and critics and all the rest of it. But there's no there's no doubt in my mind that Klopp is picking Carrius now on the basis of what he saw from Mignolet last season, rather than what he's seen from him this season. Because if you look at Mignolet, if you if you look at it purely on performances of Mignolet v Carrius so far this season, then Mignolet would be would, would start at Palace on Saturday, but he won't because Klopp has clearly got concerns about weaknesses in Mignolet's game which A, led him to buy Carrius in the first place and then B, led him to, to get Carrius back in the team almost as soon as he was fit again after that broken hand. And all this while he's opening what looks like a very nice coffee shop in Belgium <laughs> as well. Would you, would, would, you go, would you go for a brew? Uh, coffee shop? Yeah, yeah, what definitely. would you ask for? Um, Put you on the spot here a bit. Know, a latte, sorry. a latte. A latte. Not a massive coffee. Belgian hot chocolate. Bel- yeah, Belgian with a waffle. Chocolate. With a Do they sell it, waffles? Should we go? Should we just Belgium, go? We're going to cut this short now. We're just going to yeah. go. We'll be back in a bit. Can I just make one more point? <laughs> <laughs> the, That's it, unlike you. It's not, it's not sustainable going forward, is it? I don't think. I think Min- no. Mignolet, he didn't go as far the other night as to say, I either get back in the team or I'm off. But I don't think you'll see a situation where if he doesn't get back in the team this season, then I think he will leave next summer. Because, you know, as he said, he's, you know, he's 28. He, he's not one of those keepers. He's not a Brad Jones. You know, he's not... He's not going to be one of those who's happy to sit on the bench and, and get a couple of League Cup games here and there. No, should he no. be? Because he's he, he is a you know he's a, he's, a, he's a more than capable goalkeeper. He's a good goalkeeper, and I, I think it's just got to a case at Anfield where it's a self fulfilling prophecy now, and people just absolutely flap it every time he gets on the ball. But it's not it's not fair. I mean, Carius is hasn't got to that level yet. I mean, it'd be nice if Carius has a save to make at some point. I mean. To be fair to Carrius, in pre-season I thought he looked pretty, pretty good. He made a couple of smart stops against Huddersfield, and but it, you know there's not much to, to judge Carrius on at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it, he's very much a blank canvas. Whereas I think Liverpool fans are just scarred, rightly or wrongly, and I, I think a bit, a bit harshly to be honest with what as uh, what Mignolet's done in seasons past. I think we always judge our goalkeepers by very high standards, don't we? I think you know people had Rayner for so long, and. You, you look at you, <laughs> but you, you look at the Premier League and how many top top class goalkeepers are there? You know, two or three. I, I don't think you can find holes in many other the goalkeepers' games. Mignolet's one of the best shot stoppers I've ever seen. You know, some I, of the saves he's made. I think apart from Neuer and De Gea, you are not going to get a goalkeeper nowadays. You can do both. You, know, you I think every club has got to, every manager's got to make a decision. I either want a goalkeeper who's good with his feet and and can save mm-hmm. shots. Or I want a pure and utter sort of brick wall in the goal who will save shots, but he can't really do much from his feet. It looks like you know, and we knew that I think from from you know Klopp's time at Dortmund and whatnot that he he prefers a goalkeeper who, who is quite handy with his feet. So having said all that, his next game could be against Leeds. James, I know you you're very delighted to see Liverpool come out with a hat first, weren't you? Very much so. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's a decent draw around, isn't it? I think beforehand you'd have said definitely anyone at home, and and hopefully one of the. The, the non-Premier League teams that were left in it and they got that on both counts so yeah perfect draw for Liverpool great chance to to move a, a move a step closer to Wembley we'll very quickly just talk about some some other things that will come out of the game on Tuesday the first one being some people talking about the camera angle 
I mean, Christian, do you think it's just a load of nonsense and that people should just accept it? Absolute nonsense. James? Yes, just nonsense. I haven't even noticed it changed, to be honest. Joe? Nonsense. nonsense. Good, that'll be four of us then. Uh, also, a uh, story today, which isn't so much new, but it's something that's been touched on in the past, is about Liverpool possibly moving away from Melwood. You know, I mean, Everton, you know, there is another team on Merseyside. They have the base in Fitch Farm. Everything's together in one place. I think Manchester City have gone that way as well, by their ground, I think. Etihad Campus. That's the one, yeah. yeah. Uh, do you think that's a good idea in the long term? And if so, they obviously can't put everybody into Melbourne because of all the housing around it. Would Kirby be a, an ideal place, or do you feel as though perhaps they should look somewhere else? Uh, we we know that those kind of those talks and feasibility studies are ongoing at, at the moment. Um, I think Klopp has left no one in any doubt that that he wants everyone together on one base, and because that's simply not achievable at Melwood, it, it will lead to them leaving what's been you know the kind of their iconic training base since the 1950s um yeah i think i think the only issue with kirby is that, that it is so exposed to the elements and anyone who's been there to watch youth team football <laughs> can know it because you you need like an extra three layers in kirby that's, than to be you fair, do. that's the same yeah. at pitch farm evidence it's, it's it, yeah. exposed as well it gets very cold um so you know that they're, they're, they're looking at ways possible ways around that and especially with the wind that Klopp has constantly referred to the wind since he's been in England I think as, a, <laughs> as something he's not happy with well it, you know he certainly won't be happy with the wind at, at Kirby so I think that's there's that they're looking at other potential sites as well but I think it makes sense on a number of ways I think I think Klopp I actually saw Klopp down at the academy about a month ago at seeing his believing event and he actually admitted that he that was his first he, you know that his one and only trip down there to watch the under 18s live had been the day after his unveiling last yes, October right, yeah. Yeah. Because he said, you know, life's that hectic at Melwood. You know, I don't get the opportunity to come down here very often. And Pep Linders is the key link between the two bases at the moment. But I think, you know, Klopp said, you know, ideally, you know, he wants it. So, you know, he can look out of his office window and see the 18s and the 23s working. And, you know, and I think it works both ways as well. Because he wants those those kids, you know, right the way down to under nines to be able to gaze across and see Philip Coutinho and Roberto Firmino and think, wow, one day, you know, that's where I want to be. Rather than Melwood being some mythical place five miles away. They'd also see you there interviewing these players as well, know, wouldn't I mean, they? And they'd be like, they'd oh, one day I could yeah. be interviewed by James <laughs> So I think, I think there's that. And, then, and I think also then you also go back to some of the issues with Melwood where even at the moment, without, you know, obviously without any youngsters being around, there's an issue now with lack of space. You know, the <clears> indoor <throat> facility is small and dated. You know, there's a lack of office space and meeting room space. And also there's the issue with snoopers looking over the wall and 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 getting teen news that then leaks out because kirby is um sorry the melwood is in a residential area um so you know we've all seen you know people standing on the bins and standing on car roofs and stuff and certainly that another advantage of kirby would be that you it is a much more private and secure environment where you'd be away from prying eyes Next up then is Palace away on Saturday evening. Uh, never really a happy hunting ground for Liverpool, although I think they've won twice in the last three visits, I think that's right. FA Cup, and they won last year, didn't they, 2-1? With, uh, with Mr. Ben- yeah. and Mr Benteke scored the goal yeah. at the end. Got obviously, caught he- cheap by Pardew as well. He did, you know, I wonder how they're getting on now. <laughs> yeah. um, but obviously he'll be in opposition, and he, Joe, will be somebody who will have probably a bit to prove, even though I don't think there's anybody that, at Liverpool who didn't wish him anything but, but all the best when he left. Yeah, I fancy him for a goal on Saturday, I have to say. You know, I think that the, the crosses that they'll be putting in, um, you know, I fancy Liverpool to score because they, they, they seem to have such a great attack in every game, but you just fancy him to take advantage of what has been a weakness for Liverpool. Um, 
But yeah, I, I liked Benteke. I think he didn't fit Liverpool's style of play, but I think he's a good player. I think he was a good professional. Again, he was another who reacted well. He hasn't he hasn't bitched about it since he's left the club. He's, he's got his head down. Bitched and bold? Yeah, you can say that, yeah. yeah. Female dog. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah. So he, he hasn't female dogged about it since since he's been away from the club, and it, you know he's done he's done all right down there, hasn't he? Um, was it someone saying before? Pardew said he would have paid forty million for him. Yeah, no, so that would be yeah. yeah. If only Liverpool had known. Yeah. I think they did. Which way it took forever to actually sell him. I think Benteke will get he'll get a really good reception. I think from the away end because you know I don't think any, as Joe said, no one really had a bad word to say about him. You you speak to anyone at the speak to anyone at the club who worked with him, there was never any murmurings of discontent, content, discontent even about his attitude and his application. He was just the wrong man at the wrong time. He never, you know, I think loads of people, I was one of them, you know, raised an eyebrow when Liverpool bought him in the first place because you just thought, how's he really going to fit the way that Brendan Rodgers wants Liverpool to play? The owners backed the manager's judgment on that. Rodgers tried to persevere with it for the first couple of months of the season. It didn't work. And then I think from pretty much the moment Klopp came in, you just knew that Benteke was never ever going to fit his his style of football, but you know I, I think he he never gave up. You know we he, you know he got some game time towards the back end of the season where Klopp was resting first choice players um, for for the big European games and he scored some important goals for Liverpool. I think what did he score ten ten goals I mm. think and you know at least half of them were winning goals in games and but Liverpool just never played to his strengths, did they? I think you know it was. He must have thought something weird was going on when the same summer they bought him, they got rid of Markovic, probably the only winger that, that could have <laughs> slung in a cross that he that he really liked the look of. And you know the number of times that you watched him play and you just thought you felt sorry for him because you know he was demanding the ball into feet when Klopp was shouting at him to, to try and burst beyond the defender. And you know I'm, I'm not surprised that Palace paid so much money for him because in the right team with players playing to his strengths he's a he's a top class striker. Christian, given that and the aerial threat that Crystal Palace are going to pose, we've spoken about the goalkeeper Simon Mignolet. We'll talk about Carrius now, but we'll also talk about Matip and Lovren and that they've formed quite a good partnership. They did well against West Brom, I thought. You know they they, they dealt well with with Rondon and you know although West Brom did score the goal from a set-piece, as you pointed out, it possibly shouldn't have been allowed. But they didn't really have that much threat from set-pieces. And is, but is this going to be probably their toughest task to date? I think so. I think yes and no. I think in a vacuum it is. Um, but I've been speaking to uh, Jan Mulby, our columnist today, and he uh, name-dropping. And <laughs> <Wang>. <laughs> uh, we did lunch. <laughs> And he was saying um, how basically the fact that Liverpool have played Manchester United and West Brom in two of the past three games will uh, have Liverpool ready for that now. It, they'll, they'll be used to they'll be used to playing against that sort of striker. They'll be used to playing uh, used to combating those sorts of threats. So I think it will be difficult, but I think it would be a lot more difficult if this was the first game if, if Liverpool had been playing these big teams like Chelsea and Arsenal and, and you know Spurs whatnot. And then whack is Christy Benteke is Andros Townsend cutting onto his stronger foot and flinging balls in every single minute of the game, but it's not going to. I don't think. It, I think they will be well drilled for that. What you've got to remember as well is that they didn't play pretty much all of the back five. Didn't play Barkline. He got a little bit of a run out. Um, so they'll be fresh, and you know you can bet your bottom dollar that that's been getting worked on all throughout the week in at Melwood and training. Uh, dealing with those sorts of things, um, those sorts of balls into the box. I think more, more importantly than Benteke, in a way, is and what Matip and Lovren do, is uh, Milner and Klein. I think it's going to be about stopping the crosses. I think no team 
crosses more than um, than Crystal Palace uh, this season. No, no, she's put more crosses into the box. Christian Benteke can't score a header if the ball's not coming in. So I mean, I think we saw. I thought Moreno did all right against Tottenham, but he gives away, he does give away silly free kicks in silly areas. He, he does allow corners. He gives away a lot of corners. Milner, in the past couple of in the past two games against Manchester United and West Brom, I think what we saw is a real concerted effort from from especially him, but Klein as well. I think they only conceded three corners between the two games. I mean, that's astonishing for that 180 minutes. I think we'll see that again in terms of don't give any away any silly fouls, don't give them any sort of dead ball situations. Just stop the balls coming out wide. If the balls do come in out wide, you would hope that Matip and, and, and Lovren can deal with it. I think Lovren can. I think Matip's proved himself against the likes of Kane and, and uh, Ibrahimovic. It's just a case of you just got to you just got to hope that Benteke doesn't have one of those games where he he, sat, he saw six feet higher in the air than everyone else and, and nods one in. He, he can do that, he's capable of it. Sometimes you just can't you can't legislate for that, but we'll see. A lot of the crosses, as Christian mentions, that's how Benteke gets his goals, but a lot of the crosses will come from full-back areas for, for Palace, so it, it's going to be as much onus on Mane and, yeah, and yeah, Lallana, so, whoever yeah. it is that ends about there. Yeah, they put, I think they scored... The goal was it a set piece they scored against Everton? Everton yeah. was, I think it was Delaney put it in, wasn't was it? Yeah. I think so. It comes from very deep, doesn't it? And that, that's the problem with playing against a side like Crystal Palace. They have so many different ways of, of getting the ball into the box, whether it's from a set piece, whether it's from wing play or, or from their full backs. So you have to stay organised. I think Liverpool will just have to deal with it. I think they will have to deal with the fact that the, there's going to be crosses coming in and they're going to have to get up, they're going to have to head them away. I think there'll be goals in it. I think, I think Palace will score and Liverpool will have to be at their best to sort of help score them and get out there but um, yeah I think I think you know that the wide men who do put in a great shift will have to um, sort of work back and make sure those full backs don't overlap and don't put those early balls in James one final thing we talk about momentum and Liverpool have certainly got that at the moment I mean is this a game that even if they get a draw they'd be quite happy with that I know they shouldn't be going into it looking as though a draw is a good result but would you take a draw? Oh, have Liverpool reached the point now where they should just be? No, I think in, yeah, I think in the form they're in at the moment, you you'd kind of hope and expect them to go there and win. But you know, not in a situation where a draw would be looked upon as a as a as a huge setback or anything like that. But you know, with you know with the form they're in, I think especially with you know, the, so many players should be refreshed and ready to go again. Um, I think probably the one interesting selection point will be whether he goes with Chan or, or Wijnaldum. Because um, obviously Wijnaldum had an excellent start to the season, then obviously got the injury. Chan, uh, I thought did really well against West Brom, having been pretty ropey against uh, United the previous week. Um, Being generous there. So yeah, <laughs> but I, yeah, I thought I thought he I thought he was much improved. So I think that's an interesting one because then Wijnaldum then obviously came in and did really well with a lot of inexperience around him against Tottenham. Um, you know, I, I think a really disciplined midfield performance uh, alongside Kevin Stewart. So. That's probably the one, the one big call for for Klopp to make. But you know, as Joe said, with, with the the firepower in this Liverpool team, and yeah, Palace can hurt you. And I think I think Palace will score. I think both. I think there'll be goals in it. But you know, I still fancy Liverpool to have too much for them because yeah, although Benteke is a threat and Townsend and Zaha can can hurt you. You know, Liverpool at least Liverpool don't have to worry about Balassi and Dwight Gale this time. Because um, <laughs> yeah, uh, those, those two have done the damage previously and are no longer around. So. Um, so no, I think it's a it's a it's a game Liverpool are, are more than capable of winning. If if they deal with that aerial bombardment from Palace, then you know I, I fancy that front four to, to 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 do some damage at the other end. Well, you've asked the question then, Chan or Wijnaldum? Uh I'd actually go with Wijnaldum, which which would be harsh on Chan, but I just think I thought Wijnaldum the other night just 
provided a reminder of just how good he is and how important he is. Christian? I think when you talk about Crystal Palace and how important this this game is for Liverpool in terms of you know is a draw a disaster or whatnot, it wouldn't be in the context of you know is Crystal Palace away etc. But if Liverpool win this, look at their next six, seven, eight fixtures up until maybe the, the Merseyside derby just before Christmas. You're looking at Southampton away, um, and apart from that, and you know football isn't this simple, but you're looking at wins. So if Liverpool can get through this one with with three points. Let's say it's a draw against Southampton, and then you're looking at six or seven wins. I mean, they're going into that Merseyside derby, potentially looking to, to stay top at Christmas. So it's 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 a really big. It, it's I'd say it's probably the second hardest game in the next batch of six or seven. Um, and if they can get three points from this, you know, it, it really does set them up for the rest of the season. Channel well now, Wayne Aldum though. Wayne Aldum for the same reason James says. Clean sweep, Wayne Aldum. Yeah, I really like him. That'll just be awkward and say champ. <laughs> uh, you were expecting that, weren't yeah. you? Right, I think that'll do us. Um, so just look forward to the game on Saturday where it's sure to be emotional. See you then.